Hey, what's going on? Hey, Lefty. Hey, Lefty, what you say? What's going on? Welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm your guy, Sean Davis at SE2 Mics. That guy over there, the original Lucky Lefty, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. Thank you guys for joining us as always. Subscribe to us on Lucky Lefty Podcast, the YouTube channel. We're also available on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much to all the subscribers out there, everybody that's been watching our videos, sending out contents. I got some questions for you today, Malik, from some of our listeners and some of our subscribers. They've been leaving some great contents under our videos. Continue to do so. And don't forget, you can follow us at Lucky Lefty Pod on social media. That's Instagram and Twitter as well. We're going to talk about the second half coming up. And then we're going to talk about who we think are the first half MVPs on offense and defense. Let's start with the offense. There are a lot of people that could be up for this first half MVP, right? It's a lot of people. Yeah. And I'll just give you contenders. If if I miss somebody, let me know. Uh, Tyler Buckner could be an MVP. Could be an MVP. The you know usual suspect Kyron Williams could be an MVP. Could be MVP uh, because of certain big plays. Kevin Austin could be an MVP. Could be MVP. Michael Mayer could definitely be. Well, an MVP. he was my he was my my guy. I was going with anyway this year. <laughs> so, and then I for me, I think I'll cut it off right there. Okay, so, really. Drunk, yeah. You sure you cut it off? Yeah, I said if I miss somebody, let me know. So if you feel like somebody else needs to be on the ballot, you know, speak now. Okay, I think that's fair. I think what you put up there is fair. All right, let's drum roll. The first half MVP is on offense. I got my guy Kyron Williams, man. Okay, the Bulldog. I got my guy Kyron Williams. The Bulldog, the anchor. All right. And and it's because he's the most consistent in every game, and without him, it would be a lot worse. You know, and I think he's contributed well enough, maybe not at the level of last year's peak was, not yet. However, without Kyron Williams being that, that glue to the team and with the expectations that he is, uh, a primary uh, ball carrier and, and, and primary go-to in our offense, he's still able to be productive even with all the things that we have changing at quarterback. And I think without him, it'll be a lot uglier out there. But with him, he's making it seem uh, uh, fixable at least. He gives them a base point for that offense to work off of. Regardless of whether or not the offensive line is playing well or the running game is really going the way we expect it to go, Teams have to worry about that. They scheme for Kyron Williams each and every week. And so that makes it much more difficult for him and the offensive line to really get going. They want to put the ball in the hands of the quarterbacks that have been inconsistent. Uh, the one, Everybody, all three have played. And all yep. three have had some flashes, and all three have made mistakes. Uh, you have the people's champ, Drew Pine. You know, you have the up-and-comer, Tyler Buckner. And you have Jack Cohn, who is just who he is, you know. Yeah, I think as quarterback by committee would have to 
be jointed together. I don't think Tyler could individually be the the season's MVP on offense by himself due to the fact that Jack Combs played really, really huge in some moments for us in the season that his experience alone got us out of some tough situations. Yeah, he's been a great closer, you know, to use yeah. a baseball analogy. Like, he literally has come in and gotten the toughest outs or the toughest points in a game. Yeah, stuff that, stuff that guys really wouldn't want to be in situationally. Yep. Especially coming in cold, coming in and out, starting and then finishing, but not, you know what I'm saying? So for him to be able to be called on, and it seems like that's just kind of his gauntlet for yeah. this season with, from Coach Kelly. And Coach Kelly makes it seem like that's just what he does. I don't think that's what he wants to do, but that's definitely something that Coach Kelly <laughs> – puts him up to so he's going and he talks about he's like yeah well you know when you get a guy like that you just love seeing it he never quits I don't think Jack's every day like man I can't wait to go in and save the day or go in when it's the the hardest spot on the field to get the team out of the position but yeah uh, that's kind of the situation I think Michael Mayer is viable as well because a lot of people out there might be saying no Michael Mayer you know, from a number standpoint, he had the big game against Cincinnati. He has been playing with a going through a groin injury for the majority of the first half. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad with someone saying Michael Mayer. The only reason why I wouldn't say Michael Mayer only because he's had some drops that, you know, that could have changed the tide in some of the, the games that we played. Yeah. Could have made sealed some of the games away a lot earlier, a lot easier. Um, just he's been consistent, but there's been some lapses. But you know, when you're the number one, when number one target on the passing offense, in my opinion, you you're facing a lot of different things going on. But that's why I gave it to Kyron only because you know Kyron's been productive running it, and when he hasn't been able to run as well, he's been clutch moments catching it, and he's that he's that piece that we really need to push through the rest of the season. Both of them are, but he's been doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. And then we mentioned Kevin Austin as another contender. Uh, I really think he probably comes in last place in the voting <laughs> you know, for first half MVP. But you have to put him on there because he's had some major big plays, especially the big plays, you know, against Wisconsin, big play. Florida State, big play. You know, two-point conversion, that catch against Virginia Tech. You know, guy pulling his face mask, he hauls it in out of nowhere. Big play. So it's just his inconsistency against Purdue, against Cincinnati, not showing up against teams that want to come up and bump and run and allowing them to take him out of his game. But as we said before, that was on him majority, but it was also on the scheme and what Tommy Reese was calling. We asked Tommy Reese to move him around, get him in a slot, don't leave him in the same position all the time. And what happened the next game against yeah. Virginia he did his thing, man. He did his thing, and and and, and that's the the that's the that's the situation we want to be in. We want to have him one on one, making big plays. He's a big guy, and we don't have the arm to overthrow him. So let's not throw it out of bounds either. You know, just yeah. give him a chance, let him let him go up with the one on ones, and then we'll handle most of the other things in in between the twenties. You know, we'll we'll be able to move the ball down the field fine. But when it comes to that red zone, he's a, a key player for us and should be moving on. 
Now, from a quarterback standpoint, before we go to the defensive side of the ball, when you put him and you go four wide, or you say you go to a three, uh, three one, you come out in 13, and you split Kyron out. But you have Kyron on the outside, and you have Michael Mayer and Kevin Austin on the inside. How does that make it so difficult or much more difficult to defend what you're trying to do in the passing game? We have those two big guys on the inside rather than Kevin Austin just being on the outside. Well, it makes the dynamic a lot tougher for defenses depending on who you want to bracket. There's mm -hmm. a lot of tension in the middle of the field if you got those two guys there and then you put Kyron and Chris Tyree as like a set and just play in the middle of the field and just hope that they can't make plays. I think that gives you putting Kevin Austin on the inside and just maybe putting the Avery Davis on the outside or Braden Lindsay outside of him to give you some, some more speed down the field. I think that's a, a way better of a set for us. That way guys that can't throw the, the cross field pass or guys that don't have such a strong arm, you can take a lot of chances giving it over the middle with bigger and stronger guys like Michael Mayer and Isaiah. Uh, I mean, and Kevin Austin. And what makes it great, too, is that you bracket, and it's easier to bracket a guy in the middle when you're doing it to Michael Mayer. But if you put Kevin Austin on the other side in the middle at the slot, now how are you going to – How those linebackers are going to be stressed because then you got to play the run with Kyron, worry about those guys on the inside running, increasing your defense. That's going to put a lot of pressure on defenses, especially uh, helping our guy Jack getting the ball out of his hands quicker. He yeah. can see better. Instead of trying to throw up a lot of one-on-one -on -one balls with not such a strong arm, cross the field 50, 60 yards in the air is, is a little hard to do. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. It's only one guy for me. It's only one Yeah, guy. yeah, but, we, you know, we have <laughs> I to, think give, we have to give the list of nominees. I, I, yeah, but – We on, have to give the now. list of nominees. So, I, I, I'm going to – I believe – Jason, Jason, uh, Adamiola, Adamiola. Let me say Adam that correctly. Miola. Adamiola. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, he's a nominee. I think he's played phenomenally. Yeah. In the first half, just he's been phenomenal. Isaiah Foskey. Isaiah Foskey, he's up there. Yeah. Could be a nominee. But yeah, like six sacks on the season right now. Yeah. And should have had at least a half or two and a half more if the other side of the offensive line was containing the game. Yeah, they let him run out the gate. He he was closing yeah. the window. He let him out the gate, man. Man, Cam Hart can definitely. Definitely be in there. His just name been in there the whole time. Yeah, Cam Hart could definitely be a nominee. And I think my favorite defensive player, to watch JD Bertrand. Yeah. yeah. That kid has just been all over the field. And the stats show it. He's almost double digits and tackles every game. Every game. That's last but not least, Kyle Hamilton. That's is he cool. last? Is he really last? Or he saved he the best for last. You always <laughs> save the best for last. You always save the best for last. <laughs> Oh man, I, I think it is a good a good list. I do think it's a good list. Do we need a drum roll? 
They're all very qualified. It's just undisputed right now is Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. And I just think without him, we wouldn't be what six and one. We wouldn't be six and one. Yeah. We would be more like probably three and three. Uh probably would have lost Florida State. And I think that would have wow. Settled, I think that would have set a bad precedent for the rest of the games if we lost that first game. So you know, Cincinnati wouldn't have been the only team to take a piece out of us if uh if we didn't have 14 out there. But credit to 14 for being there. Shoot. I mean, he didn't yeah. save this save this in a lot of moments. He's been able to oh, he's been able to get the NIL, you know, popping for Notre Dame players, taking off the helmet. I mean, he's he's definitely uh an established foundational piece to our team. And we've been doing great. You know, doing great because of it. And we just want to mention that this episode of the Lucky Lefty podcast is sponsored by Honor. Yeah. <laughs> See it right there. We'll get to it. Got the promo board. Listen, That's I'm telling promo you, board we, right there. Every time you're coming on the podcast, the subscribers is coming. You're going to see more and more things pop up on our end. And this is the, the baby of the, of the crew right here, the Honor Whiskey Bourbon. You know, check it out. You know, check it out. You, you'll never be disappointed. And I'll tell you a little secret. It tastes better if you drink it left-handed. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's that left thumb that we put in there. It's the secret ingredient. I gave some trade secrets out. I'm sorry, but listen, we spin it different. <laughs> Just, so I want to talk about two guys, right? You just talked about the importance of Kyle Hamilton. I want to talk about the importance of Cam Hart as well. Because what Marcus Freeman wants to do and what he likes to do with his linebackers, the multiple ways he uses them, and the multiple defenses front, defensive fronts he uses, to just know Cam, go out there, stick that guy. You got him yeah, all. It's, it's that's, really that's, like, that's huge. I really look at Kyle Hamilton and Cam Hart like Batman and Robin. Mm. Cam Hart's a good Robin because he's he's a young protege because you can see the potential. You can see he can be like Batman. He makes and has flashes. You can trust him on on big assignments on a one on one when you need it. Can he do the full payload? Not just yet, but you can see that he plays well as a compliment to Kyle when they throw away from him. He's taking on some good challenges and, and came through. Uh, you know. Definitely a, a Robin compared to Batman. When you running out of bounds on a pick six, that should have been that hurts you. <laughs> we had to deduct points. We had to deduct points for that. We had to deduct points for that. We but had to deduct points. But as a as a young guy, that's a transitional guy, man. He's making making headways, and definitely I can see him taking it to the next level. So the next guy I want to talk about. We talked about JD Bertrand, but I just think Jason. Adam Miola, I don't know why I struggle with his last name, man. Jason Adam Miola, there you go. I don't, I he has just played so much better every year. Yeah, uh, he he was forced into action his freshman year. Uh, played last year. Honestly, I think he's playing out of position. And what really? I mean, by that, I think he should be. He's in he's in the inside, but I think when you get him into the NFL. I he think might be a linebacker because they won't. They will probably bring him down because he's pushing three three hundred, but he really doesn't need to be there. 
-hmm. He's probably more effective at 285, 290. So when he loses weight and he ends up playing the edge in a 3-4. They probably see him a little bit like a Sheldon Day a little bit. Yeah, I think he's going to be far more effective once he gets to the league. Yeah. He'll be one of those guys that he might end up being late second, third round pick out of Notre Dame, and all of a sudden he gets to the NFL and it's like, yo. That's like Khalid. Khalid, yeah. you know, he's playing great for the Bengals. He was able to be a fourth round what, or third round guy. Fourth yeah. Round. But his ability at Notre Dame, he played the edge and he was good, but it wasn't the superstar flash, but – now he's at the Bengals. He's he's making it. He's killing it. He's starting. He's doing well. And so he's a guy that I wouldn't say played out of position, but he grew into the position and developed in really yeah. the right way once he got to the got to the league. So Mike, you have to give a tip of the cap to Mike Elston, too. <laughs> I mean Hey. Under, I, I won't say underappreciated, but the development of these young defensive linemen over the years since he's been there has been pretty consistent. And I think we talked about we talked about not having that guy, that Jadavion Clowney type that will probably take the program to the next level if we get a couple of those guys, especially a stud of defensive tackle. But Yo, these guys come in, most of them are under, probably need to put on pounds, need to put on weight, and he develops them. Most of them were forced into playing early because yeah. of neck issues. And somehow, some way, by the time they get to the middle of that second year, going into that third year, you know, they're on NFL draft boards, man. It is, it's a really big credit to Coach Elson, Mike Elson, and as well as Coach Kelly, in that they have a good track record of developing NFL talent at that position. From Tuit to Knicks to yeah. Sheldon to Prince to Eshack. I mean, the list, Romeo, the Romeo, the Core brothers. Uh, just to watch those guys over time, you know, a guy like Romeo, not only did he play early, he was the youngest on the team. <laughs> he was like right. 15, 16. Right. And he had so much potential. And then, you know, by the time he got ready to leave, he developed into a monster that's, you know, playing and doing well right now in the league. Signed another second huge contract. Second deal. Yeah. I mean, a player that developed from the beginning. And he was just one of the many different pieces from that 2012 D-line roster, Coach Elson has a lot of credit uh, to the players that he, he can go into a family or a recruit's house and be like, look, I just got to let the sheet roll out. <laughs> he get, he's definitely been uh, underappreciated just because he's been in the in the background of, you know, Van Gorder and, you know, you got Marcus Freeman, you got Carl right. Lee. So he's kind of been in the background of those great coaches themselves. But he's been an integral part, just like Coach Easton was, at at building the trenches, you know, the trenches that have been important to sustaining our 10-win seasons. Now, before we wrap this up, I want to ask you a serious question. 
we've seen the first half, right? Because we can nominate. I don't want to say who's the offensive coordinator of the first half. Is it Tommy Reeves or Marcus Freeman? Like, uh-huh. No, 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 no. Let's do the first, second half clean sheet. We do a clean sheet for you all that are, are new to the podcast. Before every game on our preview show, Malik, I give him a clean sheet, which is the game plan. Like, what should Tommy Reese want to do? How should he want to attack this team offensively? Let's do a second half clean sheet. Big picture. Things possibly we didn't see in the first half. Looks like the offensive line has improved based upon what we saw against Virginia Tech. If that trend continues, what's the second half clean sheet for Tommy Reese? I think it's just more of a development of, of who do you want as that full-time guy and, and trying to get closer to it. I think you've found in highlights throughout the season what at what ebbs and flows of the game work best Yeah, with which quarterback and – the plays you were running. I think at this point you have enough data to be like, okay, this is the direction that we can go and this is what it can look like. Yeah. What they're comfortable with. And you can get a better picture of how you want to start the second half of the season because this is where it really gets gritty. Teams have also have has the same film on you guys. So they're gonna know what your best and worst things are. I do think one of the things we should add into the offense it's throwing some more quick screens to Kevin Austin. I think him being so big, yeah, you making it easy for the DB when you're running away from the ball. Let's throw it right to him. Yeah. Let's see if they can tackle him all game. Because <laughs> that's just like that was the same way Purdue and Jeff Brom uses David Bell. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. the monster game he had against Iowa, it was slants, it was quick screens, yeah. double moves, you know fly routes, everything you can imagine, they got the ball to them. And that's what we have to do as a as an offense. We have to stress other team secondaries. I mean, if you look at our roster of receivers from even when I was playing, you got your Miles, Chase Claypools, EQs. You got uh, even the, the guy that plays with Chargers last year, number 11, uh, his name Ben something. Ben Scott, uh, Scarani, you got, yeah. I mean, these guys are huge. Yeah. You know, Michael Mayer, Kevin All, huge. So these are the guys that need to be stressing these little DBs that we play every week. And it'll open up the offense a lot more and take the stress off the offensive line if you just make guys tackle our big freaking receivers. Yeah. <laughs> and even throw Michael Mayer out there, let him, you know, everything doesn't have to be a route. Sometimes we just, like we like to run the ball straight ahead. Let's just throw it outside and, and make them tackle us. And I think doing that, you can set up a lot more things downfield that we like to do. And uh, it could just be a nuance to our offense. Yeah, I know our top two running backs are Chris Tyree and Kyron. Uh, I do want to see a few more touches for baby Tyree. Baby T is what <laughs> I call him. Baby T, baby, Yeah, Logan Diggs, that's baby T. That's baby T. Man, he is – you watch that dude run, it's like, yeah. He got it in brother. Yeah, <laughs> right. Little, I mean, you know, I think Avery Davis is like Amir Carlisle. I mean, yeah. He got a good archetype of what he wants his certain positions to look like, for sure. I need more jet sweeps and reverses. I need the ball to get yeah. You can't have speed like <laughs> Avery Davis 
and Braden Lindsay and just have them running post routes and fly routes. Like, is that it? Is that all we can bring to the table? I don't think so. Yeah, that clean sheet needs to be a little bit more developed in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> so, as always, go to Lucky Lefty Podcast for more great content. Um, let's talk about the second half. Second half. USC up first. Dreadful. Dreadful. North Carolina, after that, they just held on against a Miami team that is just not good. Disappointing. Yeah, disappointing. They had to hold on at home. High-scoring game. Both teams are going to give up points to this offense. I think this is when the Notre Dame offense might put the 40 spot on the board in back-to-back weeks. Mark it down. I don't know if I would count on that. Um, I, I think so. Because I think both offenses are used to just scoring at will, and I don't think they'll be able to do that. Both offenses turn the ball over and commit a lot of penalties. So I see the Notre Dame offense mixed with a couple of uh, pick sixes or fumble returns. That would have to be. Maybe we, couldn't score, we couldn't score 40 on our own. You know, I don't <laughs> think we can do that on our own. You don't think so? We couldn't score 40 you know, against Toledo. happen in the second half. We couldn't score 40 against Toledo. But the offensive line is playing better. You have to you have to that's just not I don't think that's our style of play this year to be scoring 40, 50 points to see. We probably it would look we look like we can, but that's we can't put we can't put 40 on Navy. No. <laughs> it'll be a close. It'll be a close game. Look, all of these games will be close games. No, Navy won't be close. Navy will be close. No, this isn't the Navy we're used to. Navy will be close because one, Navy is always makes it close with us. They always do. They, it has never been a time Navy didn't make it close with us. Hasn't not lately. And then, secondly, you gotta look at it. I don't think that Coach Kelly in his in fairness, is going to really just go with one guy for the rest of the season. Mm. If that's the case, there's no way we're single-handedly putting up 40 because of the ebbs and turns we're going to have. Now, I do think we'll win most of these games, but the way we like to win is when it's close and when everybody pulls their hair. What game? USC, North Carolina, Navy, Virginia, go back to the Commonwealth. Virginia got the number one passing offense in the country right now. Yeah, but the rest of the squad is trash. Yeah, but good grief. Rest of the squad is trash. Come on, man. Look, look. Let's have you watched Virginia play? <laughs> have you honestly? I know what the numbers. I, I haven't. I haven't watched them play. I, just I know what the numbers play. say. Have you watched Virginia play? I haven't watched them. <laughs> The quarterback can probably hurt if we don't set the edges, especially with the pass rush. I don't think the initial pass routes will really hurt Notre Dame's defense, but the the off-script plays, the off-script plays and scrambling definitely can be a problem because it's been a problem. Mm, Running game, not worried about it. Not worried about it. No, because I think second half, I think this defense takes a step. 
I think this defense takes another step. They're First of all, because this defense will be healthier than it's been all season. Yeah. That's number one. And number two, I think you start to see some of these youngsters, like a Ramon Henderson, get more snaps, be more impactful. And I think it's set in stone who, who they are from a defensive standpoint. I think that defense started to get worn down because the offense left them out there on the field a lot in the yeah, first they did. They So did. what you start to see towards the end of the Cincinnati game and the Virginia Tech game was a defense that was a little worn out, playing hard. Playing hard. But it's like – and I think that's why you saw Marcus Freeman in, at Virginia Tech blitz a lot more than he normally does. Trying to get him up. Yeah, trying to be like, man, I need to get pressure. He knew his guys were tired, and the bye week came at a perfect time. It really did. It came at a perfect time for that team, and they to get that Virginia Tech win on the road was like the perfect way from a mental standpoint for that team to go into the break and understand, okay, let's reboot. We still have an opportunity at a big bowl game. And this is something we joked about. But the way college football is going, this might have been the year <laughs> to like jump in the tournament. Yeah, we might, we might mess around. Like, like and, uh, in the tournament this year because Alabama and Clemson are gone. I know. You're going to have a shot to win it. You might as well win it this year. And I like our chances versus Georgia. I think we, I think we called a good game when we played them down there last time. You know why you like the chances play, versus Georgia? You know why you like the chances versus Georgia? Why Kirby Smart? Kirby Smart gonna give it up. Hey, you know he's gonna play conservative. I'm never. Yeah. Oh, dude, they should have beat Kentucky by like forty. Oh yeah, I mean forty. They're just so much more talented than a lot of teams, and it's just obvious. Every play, you like, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? <laughs> the one. I don't know if you guys can go and watch the first touchdown because they scored at the end, but Georgia was kind of like. And prevent, and you know, yeah, big league. Yeah. Toy, it was a big backdoor loss for a lot of betters that had Georgia. Yeah. Because they had covered the spread until that point. And Mark Stoops caused a timeout. With two yeah, stars. like really. Yeah, he must have got that call from, uh, you know, from Vegas. Yeah, like, yo. Call. Right. That, that red phone call on the sideline. Um, Man, when you, when an offensive coordinator, has to go to his two-point plays just to be able to drive the ball. Go watch the, the first touchdown drive. Yeah, and that in the nice misdirection with the with the lead. He out. used every misdirection and every trick play. He used that just to be able to score. Yeah. That drive. And that's what it takes. You're not about to line up against Georgia and just run offense. You got to hit them with stuff they haven't seen, unfortunately. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's not. I don't know how many plays you have on that sheet. There's only <laughs> so much you can do. I saw a lot of cool things. Though. They did a lot of cool things. But, yeah. uh, but man, if that's a <laughs> that's a hard <laughs> week to prep when you're making up a whole new sheet of plays. <laughs> have you ever had a moment – when you're in the film room and the coach was saying one thing, yeah, you're looking at the film saying, 
see what he's saying. Because they're crushing, they're crushing. Because, you know, we're so used to seeing the highlights and all of that. But what's killing teams when they're watching this Georgia football team is like the every down play. There's stuff that we're not seeing on TV. They're seeing the film as like a random second and six where they just to blow up the entire play. You're like, oh my goodness, this is every this is every down. Yeah. <laughs> this is every down. How are we game planning this? This is every down. We thought we thought we had players. You know, so at one play they had a quick screen to the right and the wide receiver broke the first tackle. And you're thinking to yourself, like, uh-oh, this might go somewhere. Yeah. And here comes the free safety scene out of nowhere. Flashing into the screen. It's like, where, dude, where did it come from? Yeah, and they're flying around. That's a team that flies around. You know, it's just like they're, they're big, they're fast, they're deep, and they're smart. They're smart. They they're play smart. real tough. <laughs> so, yeah, this is an all-time defense. Like I said, this is all-time defense. So, yeah, I think the defense, Notre Dame's defense, comes back rejuvenated. I think they take the next step in the evolution of Marcus Freeman's defense. And, like I said, we talked about what we wanted to see from the offense. What I want to see from Brian Kelly is just enjoy being a good program. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Stop being the Grinch. At these press he's, conferences, he's so, he's so pressed on winning this championship. Like, just understand where you are, keep building, keep developing these teams, and go get one of those difference makers that's left on the board for this recruiting class. That's it. Just get a difference maker. That's it. Be a difference maker. That's it. And talked about every week. That's it. So that's what's next for Notre Dame. We got the slant coming up. This week, we also have our preview of USC, which is going to be fun for me for personal reasons. Personal reasons. And a, and a wrap-up for personal reasons. I can't. I showed Malik something on Friday. Uh, I'm at war. It is, it is literally house, no. it's a civil war over here at my house. So <laughs> we'll get into that. And then this week, this week, we go into the film room, the cutting floor with Malik to talk about some possible difference makers at quarterback. Program and changes. Program changes. Because, uh, yo, let me tell you something. That 13 out there in Norman, the kids you got to watch in high school, yeah, he's he's, he's pretty good. It's a guy, it's a guy, you know, we need and to I mean, that goes to one of the questions before I let you go. One of our listeners wrote this question um, in response to our Tyler Buckner uh combo on the slant on the slant. When you used him, you talked about the eye test and you brought up Caleb Williams. Um they brought up the fact that he was a true freshman, Tyler Buckner, and the fact that he hasn't played football in a long time. So it's unfair to compare him to Caleb Williams. Your response to that? You saw Caleb Williams play. Once again, the eye test. <laughs> you would think that Caleb Williams was playing a lot 
he didn't play the whole season for real. He played less than Tyler getting into the season. So I don't know how long it may, you know, every everybody is at a different pace on how they pop onto the scene. Yeah. But Caleb doesn't take very long. Like Tyler's is taking. Now a lot of factors can play into it, but from an eye test, one looks more comfortable than the other. <laughs> well, one and Caleb looks a much smoother. Much smoother. And that's just a natural thing. You know, Ian yeah. was a smooth guy. Brandon wasn't very smooth in a comparison. Like Brandon yeah. was good, but right. if you eye tested it, you're like, oh, Ian just kind of just does it. Brandon was like, oh, he does it, but it looked like it hurt. Like <laughs> Tyler, it looks like it hurts when he's out there, you know. Not that he's not playing good. It's just, right. you know, it's just a, a eye test, you know, it's a way to look at it. Hey, that's what we give you right here. We spend it different for you right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. So, like I said, we got our slant coming up this week, USC preview, and then the Rappo show will be live. Saturday night, uh, right on the Lucky Lefty podcast channel. So I, I'm, I'm guesstimating that will be around as we'll wait for Brian Kelly to give his press conference. So I'm guesstimating 9 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Central, midnight. So you guys on the East Coast, stay up with us. You'll be up anyway until the end of the game. That's well, we'll talk about it because I, I see a blowout coming personally. But oh, okay, yeah, that's what I hope for every week. I, I see a blowout coming, but we'll we'll dig dig into that in the preview show and a little bit on the slant. So, for my guy Malik Zaire, I'm Sean Davis. We see you next time, Lucky Lefty Podcast. Hit us up, baby. We spin it different. You're listening to the Lucky Lefty Podcast with Malik Zaire. Never will there ever be another like me. Um, you can play the left. Sean is.